Welcome to the Wealthsteading Podcast. This is episode 290. Today is May 22nd, 2019. I'm your host, John Pagliano. I'm also the founder and money manager at investablewealth.com. Well, hey, how about the resiliency of the stock market despite all the major issues around the globe from the trade war to conflicts in the Middle East with Iran to Venezuela to the uncertainty of what's happening with the European Union votes that'll take place this week? and whether or not there's going to be a global slowdown and all the problems in the world, and yet the S&P 500 still within about 3% of an all-time record high. It's really amazing, but that's not what I want to talk about today. What I'd like to discuss with you today is what's going on with the price of silver. In general, this will kind of play into gold and precious metals, copper pricing, but really I want to focus on silver. I've gotten feedback from a number of people that are wondering if this is the time to buy silver or other precious metals, and that's because the price has pulled down substantially. Right now, as I mentioned, with all the troubles going on in the world, with the fact that even something like the 10-year treasury is below 2.4%, which is an indicator that people are worried about political instability and worried about the health of the overall economy. If they weren't, they wouldn't be putting so much money into treasuries. They'd be moving those into equities. So that would indicate that there's a high fear factor, and that should be beneficial to things like gold and silver, but it's not. Hey, on the other hand, I do want to take the other side of the coin on that 10-year treasury and also mention another aspect of why it's so low could also be that investors are not concerned about long-term inflation. And so from that aspect, if they're not worried about inflation, then that could explain why they're avoiding safe haven investments like gold and silver. So those are some of the topics I'm going to cover today. Let me start out with a couple disclaimers. Number one, currently right now, I do not hold any silver or any gold, whether it be physical or in the form of an ETF or even directly holding a mining company, other than the fact that I may own a position or an ETF in a materials company that as an ancillary byproduct of their mining, they're involved in silver or gold. But I have no direct holdings in silver or gold or other precious metals, whether they be on paper or whether they be in the hard physical metal. And that doesn't mean that I'm opposed to precious metals. In fact, I'm definitely not. Over the years, I've held both physical metals as well as a lot of paper trading in the form of things like ETFs or trading mining stocks. For now, the price just hasn't gotten low enough to entice me to get into the metals. Also, full disclosure, as we get into this conversation, I'm going to be talking about J.P. Morgan. Now, I do own that stock. My reference to J.P. Morgan today has nothing to do with the performance of that stock or whether I'm advising people to buy it or sell it. For me, it's been a long-term hold. It's done extremely well, much better than silver and gold have over the past year or so. But as far as my reference to J.P. Morgan today, it has nothing to do with my holdings. I'm just using it to illustrate a point. And we'll get to that in a minute. You'll you'll see what I'm talking about. The other thing that I want to mention is that I have a YouTube video out there that I made, I don't know, maybe sometime last year, the year before. It's called The Case Against Gold. If you're interested in what I'm talking about today and you like a little more detail or you'd like to see specifically the reasons that I go into as to why I think it's appropriate to own something like gold or silver, then check out that video. Again, the title is The Case Against Gold. As the title indicates, when I made it, I thought that gold was not going to be a short-term good investment. You can go back and check out what the price of gold was back then and look at it now, and I'll let you draw your own conclusions as to whether I was right or wrong. Now, Having said that, I'll also say that gold and silver are trading at a very attractive price. 
Silver in particular is down below 1450 an ounce, which from a long-term historical perspective is a pretty good entry point. One of the big concerns I have right now is what I've already mentioned or alluded to is that with a lot of the fear trade that's already on, investors are piling into secure investments like government treasuries. And there's a lot of concern about a global slowdown, and we have potentially a shooting war in Iran, or at least a disruption there that's causing the price of oil and petroleum products to be higher than they you know, otherwise would be. We've got the continuing problems in countries like Venezuela, and even in the mature markets like Europe, there's a lot of instability going on right now with what's happening over there with the European Union parliamentary elections. And we'll be talking about that more next week as we see how that plays out. And then, of course, you add into that the trade war, the tariffs. It's safe to say that there's a great deal of uncertainty. And even though the U.S. market is performing very well, a lot of the rest of the world isn't. And so why aren't things like gold and silver performing better? As I just mentioned, silver's below $14.50 an ounce. Gold's right around $12.50, $12.75. So what's going on? Why aren't these safe haven precious metals performing better with all the trouble and all the turbulence in the world? Well, I'll tell you, one of the reasons might be that they're fairly priced. And this is one of the conclusions I draw if you go back and you watch that video, The Case Against Gold. I think there can be an argument made that for as low as the price is right now, it may be an accurate reflection of what they should be trading for, given the fact of how they relate to other commodities. I mean, look at the price of oil. And again, I talk about this in that video, and this is something that I've talked about going back to 2014. In fact, back then I had a lot more discussions about the relationship between things like gold and oil pricing. So I won't get into all that right now, but there does tend to be a relationship among commodities and particularly among oil and gold. And the reason for that is that it takes energy to mine and to refine precious metals. And so the higher oil prices are, the higher petroleum costs, the higher the input costs of the energy to not only get the metal out of the ground, but then also to refine it and purify it. Over the years, there's been a ratio of somewhere around 15, maybe 17 times the price of a barrel of oil equated to the cost of an ounce of gold. Well, right now, that ratio is more like 20 times, and it's been at these significantly high levels for a long time, certainly since we saw a crashing of, of oil and petroleum prices back in 2014, where they have dropped significantly below what had been an average of well above $100 a barrel. And that's been one of the primary reasons why I've been saying for many years now that gold prices could actually go a lot lower. The other big reason that I think that we can point to to say why things like not only precious metals of gold and silver, but also copper and other industrial metals or even agricultural products, one of the big reasons that we're not seeing an increase in their price is because inflation is tame. As I've been making an argument for a long time, and it's even something I talked about in my book, The Robots Are Coming, there's a tug of war that's going on between inflationary and deflationary prices. Yes, it's no doubt that things like the budget debt and the deficit and the printing of money and increasing central bank balance sheets, all those things act to create inflation and devalue the value of a currency, whether it's the United States currency or the Chinese yuan. They're all guilty of printing and devaluating the currencies. That is definitely a clear and present danger, and it's not going away anytime in the future. However, there are also deflationary pressures. And the two main ones 
the things that we're experiencing now, we've been experiencing for the last 10 to 15 years, if not maybe even 20 years, and a trend that's likely to continue, and that's that there are major deflationary forces occurring because of the advancement of technology and also the decrease in the birth rate. I think last time I looked at the statistic, the fertility rate for a woman in China was something like 1.4. Well, that's well shy of the 2.1 that's needed to have a flat population with no growth. So around the globe, from China to Japan to Russia to Italy, virtually everywhere, other than maybe sub-Saharan Africa and the Middle East, virtually everywhere else, the fertility rate is well below the replacement rate. And if you don't have a growing population, or if the rate of growth of the population is significantly below what it had been, then that is a deflationary pressure. And you combine that with the major advancements, really the big synergy that we're seeing in technology. Just like we saw technologies coming together in the 1990s, well, that next wave of Moore's Law and technology merging and that synergy, I believe, is coming together and it's either driving the cost of goods and services down or it's at least keeping them level. So you combine the technology with the low birth rates, and you get deflationary pressures that are greater than the devaluation of the currencies that we see because of government deficits and central bank balances. And again, you can argue with me whether or not my perceptions are right or wrong, but I'll tell you, look at the price of commodities. Look at the price of copper. Look at the price of gold, of silver, of agricultural products. Virtually all commodities peaked out somewhere between 2008 and 2011. West Texas Intermediate in the United States is priced at about $61 a barrel. And that's because the United States is at or will be at this year at about 12 million barrels a day of oil, not even to look at natural gas. That makes the United States the number one producer of oil and petroleum products ahead of Russia, ahead of Saudi Arabia. That's especially a huge deflationary force for the United States and the U.S. dollar. That's one of the reasons why I think the U.S. dollar is so strong and a primary driver of why our U.S. economy has done so well since 2014. That's a big deal. That's one of the reasons that I remain so optimistic about the future. And I can make the case why we are headed for some of the best and the most prosperous times in the history of humanity. Hey, incidentally, not necessarily so good for everybody's economy, particularly maybe somebody like China, which has built its economy over the past 30 years primarily as a result of exporting deflation because of extremely cheap and low-cost labor. When you bring automation and robotics into it and the price of labor goes down significantly and potentially almost goes to zero, and while I think it's going to cause labor disruptions throughout the world, it's going to hit low-cost producers the worst. So again, one of the reasons I'm not as worried about this trade war and these tariffs, as some people are. I think long-term, China is going to have to restructure its economy one way or the other. Ah, but I digress. So that gets back to why gold and silver and other commodities appear to be trading at such a low value. I believe it's because of the deflationary forces, which are acting to hold these prices down. And while I don't know how low these prices will remain, I think it's likely that they could stay capped significantly below levels that people that are expecting high and runaway and hyperinflation. I just don't see the hyperinflation occurring 
in the short term. And so that's why I think there's really a lid on the long-term prospect for precious metals like silver and gold. Now, a couple more things here. A lot of people are saying that the price of silver and gold are simply low right now because of the strength of the U.S. dollar. I don't disagree that the strong dollar is having an impact, but I don't think that the strong dollar is the total culprit. And the reason I say that is, yes, the U.S. dollar is stronger today than it was a year ago, but that's only because the dollar had a really bad 2018. The dollar has been strengthening ever since the United States has become a major powerhouse in the production of petroleum. So if you go back to 2015, 2016, 2017, the U.S. dollar was climbing. It was well above the levels that it had been coming out of the Great Recession. And so, yes, the U.S. dollar is high right now, but it's no higher than the peaks that it hit in 2015, 2016, and 2017. And the reason that's important is because if you go back and you look at the price of silver during those same years, silver prices were significantly higher even when the U.S. dollar was higher than it is today. Almost consistently from 2015, 16, 17, even through most of 2018, silver remained above $16 an ounce and in some cases significantly above $16 an ounce. If you remember the summer of 2016, when we had the unexpected Brexit vote and the shock waves that that sent through global politics, well, what happened to the price of silver? Silver was trading then above $20 an ounce. And again, compare that to what's going on right now. Right now, the Brexit talks are continuing to fall apart. More than two years into the negotiation process, there's no clear workable solution that the major governments of Europe want, and yet we're not seeing a panic in the price of silver like we did when the original vote came down in 2016. Now, with maybe some major shockwaves coming through the European elections that we'll know of as of next week, we'll see what that does to the price of silver and gold. But for now, silver just doesn't seem to be able to break above $15 an ounce. And so is it a good time to buy? Well, if you look at the price of silver over the last 10 to 15 years, any price below $15 an ounce does look pretty attractive. But like I said before, we've seen all these commodities peak. Oil peaked in 2008, gold and silver peaked in 2011. Since 2011, precious metals and virtually all commodities have been in a free fall. Now, it looked like they bottomed out in 2015, 2016, but we're getting back to those levels. And that's why I'm not so sure that silver has yet put in a bottom. On the long-term chart, it looks very attractive, but not so much if you take out that big anomaly peak that occurred when the Federal Reserve first started getting into all the major quantitative easing and everybody freaked out and worried about hyperinflation. Silver got up to $45, $46 an ounce. So that's really skewed the trend curve. But if you take that peak out, then you can go all the way back to the mid-1980s. And you can see that even back then, nearly 40 years ago, silver was trading at a nominal price of around $15 an ounce. Now, there was a major peak and a spike in the late 1970s, early 1980. That drove the price of silver up to, I don't know, $100 an ounce. But just like we saw the collapse in 2011, we saw that $100 an ounce silver collapse as well. Now, a lot of that was blamed on the Hunt brothers trying to corner the market, and that's true, but it's also true that it was driven by the same concerns about hyperinflation that were happening in the 1970s, similar to what we saw after this past Great Recession. In the 1970s, we were worried because we came off the gold standard, all the silver was taken out of our coins, 
And at the same time, we had the formation of OPEC and oil prices skyrocketed. That drove the price of silver up around $100 in 1979, 1980. But once markets adjusted and it proved out that we didn't have a hyperinflation, silver prices collapsed and they collapsed from 1980 all the way down to about 2000, 2001. So you had 20 years of declining silver prices. And where are we at from the last peak? Well, we peaked on silver in 2011. We're only eight years from that. We could have another 10 or 15 years to go if the trend carries out like it did the last time silver hit a super cycle. And if that's the case, silver could go a lot farther. Now, I don't know if it is. I'm not necessarily making that argument. Again, I think silver below $15 an ounce seems to be an attractive price. It seems to be an attractive entry point. But if you take out that major spike that we had because of quantitative easing in 2011, if you take that out, then silver prices could go a lot lower. And in fact, if they don't hold this level of around $14 an ounce, there's really not a great deal of support for silver until you get all the way down to about $11.50 an ounce. Now, will it go that low? I have no idea. I just want to give you an alternative argument for why precious metals may not be such a great short-term trade as you're always hearing. And that's where I want to finish. And this gets me back into what I first mentioned at the beginning of this episode about J.P. Morgan. The reason I want to talk about J.P. Morgan is that there's been a reoccurring headline about how J.P. Morgan is hoarding silver, how they're building the biggest inventory of physical silver that's ever taken place, larger than what the Hunt brothers did in the 1980s, 1970s, larger than what Berkshire Hathaways had done in the past. And in fact, it's the largest hoard of silver in the history of humanity. And not only are they doing that, not only are they trying to corner the market on physical silver, but at the same time, they're shorting the price of silver and driving it down just so they can keep buying more and more silver. But that's not going to last forever. The way the story goes is that just means that right around the corner, we're going to see silver at 20, 30, 40, maybe even 100 or more dollars an ounce. And the same thing with gold. Gold's going to skyrocket. It's going to hit $1,600 on its way to $5,000 an ounce. You know what? I'm calling BS on that. People are constantly sending me these articles about how silver is going to go higher. And in particular, they're quoting that J.P. Morgan story. Listen, I'm not going to dispute how much silver J.P. Morgan has or how much central banks are buying gold or how much the price of precious metals are being manipulated. But I want to encourage you to do some little critical thinking on your own. The next time you see one of these articles saying about how J.P. Morgan is manipulating the market and any day now, the price of silver is going to skyrocket. Listen, go into Google and do a time search. Don't just search that particular article. See how long that same storyline has been promulgated. I'll read you some headlines right now. See if this narrative sounds vaguely familiar. J.P. Morgan has placed a massive bet on physical gold and silver. J.P. Morgan is hoarding silver, and here's how it could drive the price of silver to $100,000 an ounce. Here's another one. J.P. Morgan secretly stockpiles silver and gold. Oh, secretly. Here's another one all about the silver conspiracy. These articles all talking about how the prices of silver are going to go to the moon, and a lot of them having to do with the fact that J.P. Morgan's involved, and it's nefarious. Guess what? Every one of those headlines I just read, they're all from 2012. Yeah, that same story's been going around forever. And how has that related to silver pricing? Well, I told you, 
silver and all precious metals, most commodities, peaked in 2011. So these hogwash stories about J.P. Morgan specifically manipulating the silver market and hoarding silver and how that was going to drive prices higher. Well, I'm reading you stories that were written back when silver was over $34 an ounce. We've been hearing those same stories for the last seven years, all the while the price of silver has pretty much gone straight down. So those stories didn't hold up when silver was in the $30 of an ounce, and with it being less than half of that now, today at $14 and less than 50 cents an ounce, I think those stories about the price manipulation of silver and J.P. Morgan hoarding physical silver, and that any day now the price is going to go up, well, I think it's as likely hogwash today as it was seven years ago. So, hey, does that mean that silver isn't a good buy right now at $14.50 an ounce? Or that silver won't go up now for the rest of the year? You know, maybe it has put in a bottom. I don't know. I'm going to encourage you to do your own research. Don't listen to what I say. Certainly don't listen to what the people are saying that are telling you that J.P. Morgan is manipulating the silver or gold market. Do your own research and draw your own conclusions. Oh, and by the way, when you're doing your research... You're going to find out that all these conspiracy theories and all the claims that higher prices for precious metals are just around the corner, it's going to happen any day now, all of those claims, or certainly the vast majority of those claims, where do you think you're going to see them published? You're going to see them published by companies or media outlets or organizations that are directly or quasi-affiliated with marketing and selling silver and gold, right? That should be no surprise. The guys that want to sell you silver and gold always think it's a good time to buy. They think the price is always going up. So be careful. Be really cautious where you get your information. And the other thing I'd say is, remember this. Whenever someone is telling you that your Federal Reserve notes are worthless, that the value is going to zero, that the money is absolutely worth nothing, then ask yourself this. If your money is so worthless, why do those very same people want to sell you a product or service and take your worthless Federal Reserve notes away from you? Why do they want your currency if it has such a little value? Just think about that. Well, hey, that'll wrap it up for today. As always, thanks for listening. Until the next episode, this is John Pagliano wishing you the very best returns.